0: Hi, it's Jody here. I just wanted to put this message uh, at the front as a bit of a content warning. We are going to be getting into some issues of transphobia, including some clips where Ezra misgenders a a trans woman and generally mocks their appearance. And so I wanted to put this up front. I I debated with myself to what extent I wanted to keep it in, and I thought... You know, I don't want to put it out there and sort of like exacerbate the problems that Ezra creates and put that into the world. But I also think it's important to hear him in context just to to get the heft of how terrible a human being he really is. And so I I made that choice, but I decided I was going to put this warning up front, because if this really is something that you do not want to hear, feel free to stop listening now and Enjoy uh, another podcast today. But if it's something that you you want to experience and experience our discussion of why he's wrong on these issues, uh, please listen. And uh, yeah, just know that that is coming up if it's something that is going to impact you. Lastly, I just want to say that we talk a lot about the sort of binaristic model of uh, human sexuality and also of gender. But of course, it's way more complicated than that. And obviously, non-binary people are valid. So uh, our conversation did not capture the full nuance. We were mostly riffing on the types of stuff that Ezra was saying. So in that capacity, uh, I hope I hope you enjoy the show as much as you can, given the uh, the weight of the content. And uh, again, if it's not for you, we'll uh, see you next week. Enjoy the show. Thank you fake fake fakeity fake hi i'm jody i'm caitlin and welcome to imperial news where i spend my whole week listening to the far right podcast rebel news and then talk about the destruction of women's sports with my friend caitlin great (laughs) how are you caitlin
1: uh well we just had a conversation about how i was doing and it's like (laughs) not great (laughs) it's not great it's not awful but it's not great
0: yeah the the endless struggles of academia that uh i i sympathize with uh having been there before but i have since dropped out unlike uh you
1: <laughs> yeah i mean the thought has definitely come up but the thought has always come up like i have that thought at least once a day i should just quit my phd and then i cry a little and then suck it up and get
0: back into it i would i would only recommend a don't drop out prior to a global pandemic, where then <laughs> you will remain unemployed for a very long time.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's definitely not going to happen.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now, granted, I dropped out before we even knew what COVID was, but it, exactly. it, it did come shortly after uh, that, and uh, now we're here. But now you get this lovely podcast still, so it's, it's fun. <laughs> and with that, we'll go into the Imperial Roundup.
2: Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy.
0: I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on the rebel from January 18th to January 22nd. Biden has canceled the Keystone pipeline, and Ezra is mad about it. For one, He doesn't think there is a climate crisis, but also he worries that now America will need to get oil from such evil countries as Venezuela. Ezra, of course, thinks Trudeau is happy about this, despite uh, the contrary, where Trudeau has told Biden he was disappointed uh, in their uh, about this decision in their first meeting. But Ezra still thinks Trudeau is not going to build, for example, the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Uh, the pipeline Trudeau has bought and is currently building.
1: David the Menzoid Menzies What is this? Are you guys kidding me? joins Ezra to talk about police arresting anti-lockdown protesters in Toronto. They complain that BLM was treated differently by the police in Canada, but... Black Lives Matter was not protesting during the lockdown. Black Lives Matter did violate social distancing rules, but were supportive of wearing masks and their rallies did not contribute to the spread of the virus.
2: I was standing on this uh, concrete bench and I was chronicling it and this was the other goofy thing. I don't know if we caught the audio or not. I think we did but a um, an officer was saying, move along, you got to move. And I said look, I'm not part of the protest. I, I'm media, I'm covering it. And a female officer said oh, we know who you are. <laughs> And she said this, Ezra, but maybe if you leave, everybody will leave too. Oh. <laughs> like, like I'm the Pied Piper of Hamlin. I wish I had that power. Oh, the rebel news reporter's gone. May as well go now, both. That's good in the subway. I mean, it was crazy. Like I'm supposed to do the, the dirty work. Well, it shows Well, it shows that they have lost the consent of the people. Yeah.
1: Ezra says that police have lost the consent of the people, which suggests he cares more about disease denialists the racialized groups who are disproportionately being targeted by the police.
0: Ezra chats with Joel Pollock about Joe Biden's inauguration speech. And this is occurring while Pollock is driving. But look, I'm just a Canadian up here
2: in Toronto. I don't know what's going on. But one of my favorite guys to help us navigate these politics is a Republican who lives in a very Democrat state. You know who I'm talking about? Our friend Joel Pollock. Senior Editor-at-Large at Breitbart.com, And we've caught him now on the highways of that very state. Joe, you got to promise <laughs> me that you'll keep your eyes on the road. I appreciate you talking <laughs> to us while you're driving, but don't crash, okay? If I keep my eyes on the road, that'll be an improvement from my normal practice.
0: Well, that's very funny. Pollock liked the speech, but specifically did not like when Biden promoted standing with the truth. According to Pollock... The left does not have a monopoly on the truth, which is why lefties are in the streets saying that masks are tyranny during a global pandemic. Oh wait, that is what conservatives are doing. Ezra comments that people talk about truth when they want to censor others. But Ezra never seemed to mind when Trump was constantly talking about fake news. Joel Pollack compares
1: dealing with the capital insurrectionists to the truth and reconciliation movement in South Africa. Saying that why truth and reconciliation worked was because it punished people who committed atrocities on both sides. Therefore, Pollock thinks that we can only punish far-right extremists who tried to overthrow the American government only if we punish Black Lives Matter activists for fighting for their right not to be shot by police.
0: Ex-Greenpeace activist and corporate shill Patrick Moore is on to complain about global warming. He says that carbon atoms are invisible, and polar bears are far away, and this is why it is easy to manipulate people about the hoax of climate change. Moore refers to the stability of the polar bear population, to argue that climate change isn't happening. But in reality, polar bear populations have been stable due to protections against hunting. In other words, fewer polar bears are dying due to hunting. Although other polar bears are dying due to habitat loss, which is caused by global warming, which leads to a stable population. But this is likely to worsen as the climate warms and even more polar bears die than are being saved through this decrease of hunting.
1: After being investigated, Rebel News has been found guilty of violating third party election laws. Ezra was fined $3,000 for the release of a book specifically with the intent to release it during an election, combined with advertising long signs that were comparing the Liberal administration with the Sopranos. Ezra thinks this law is unconstitutional, will not be paying the fines, and is filing an appeal. We said this would likely be the outcome when Ezra made the investigation public. And now Ezra is hoping to take this to the Supreme Court to challenge our election laws by allowing corporations to flood our elections with cash. Hopefully he will fail. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, when I was like reading this earlier, I just was like, no shit, this was going to happen.
0: Yep, we called it.
1: Yeah, it's so silly that he compares them to the Sopranos <laughs> as if the liberals are mafia. And it's just like, it's weird. It's weird because his like ideal of Trudeau doesn't fit the mafia image. <laughs> so I don't know why he compares them to the Sopranos or why he actually thinks that is going to be like a good. I The only thing I can think of is like a lot of people say like union leaders or people who are like in the union or mafia all the time. And that's the only connection I can think of of like left leaning politics and Sopranos. But
0: But the weird thing is mafia has a cool image to it. I mean, even the Sopranos, people talk about it in, like, cool terms.
1: I was actually just thinking about that. I was just like, people love the Sopranos.
0: It would make more sense to compare... Because, like, I think Trudeau is corrupt. I just think his corruption is very, like, milk toast corruption. You know what I mean? It's, like, very uh, not cool.
1: <laughs> well, it's also very white-collar. Yes. Right? Like, it's... The mafia image is a very blue collar person. I mean, you also have like, you know, people saying mafia running, you know, industry and entertainment and big companies in the States. But I mean, like mafia started with blue collar Italian workers that were immigrating from Italy during the rise of fascism coming to Canada And we're trying to basically defy the bourgeoisie in Canada at the time. That is how mafia started in Canada. So I don't understand this comparison with Justin Trudeau, who's like this silver spoon liberal (laughs) bread. Individual Sopranos, like to me, that makes zero sense. Yeah, or, it's like, and,
0: hey, my he buddy does. from from that private school, he has a charity. Let's uh, let's funnel the money. Like that's like, <laughs> like the <kind> of, <laughs> that's the kind of scandal he gets into. You know,
1: it's just it's a weird comparison, and I almost find it insulting as someone that came from like a working class <laughs> background. Like, I'm like no, that's, that's we're not that. Like it, it almost makes him look not tough. And I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to look intimidating
0: to at top. It's like you're giving our gangster heritage a bad image. <laughs> exactly. But that is the week. All right. Let's talk about Derek Sloan. We we briefly touched on this uh last week, so I didn't want to get uh too much or well i didn't want to get further into it i will say the difference from last week's episode and this week's episode is the allegations came out that sloan received a donation from paul Frum, who is a white supremacist neo-nazi and since then the conservative caucus met and voted uh Derek Sloan out of the party. So Derek Sloan still remains an MP, but now he is an independent MP and he is no longer in the Conservative Party. So that is what has happened. And because of that, where does Derek Sloan end up? On the Rebel.
1: (laughs) Oh, so he actually went onto the Rebel.
0: Yep, for an exclusive interview with Ezra Levant.
1: really distancing
0: himself from the far right, eh? Yeah, exactly. So Ezra calls Eric a liberal for booting Sloan from the party. Today
2: is the ninth day in a row that Aaron O'Toole, the leader of the Conservative Party, has read word for word from the Liberal Party's script for him. He has said nine days running now that he doesn't tolerate the far right or things that are Trump-like. He has no room for racist or sexist or anti-gay people. He's done emotional Facebook posts about this, his communication staff have been busy giving off-the-record interviews to liberal media across the country about him. Nine days of talking about racism in the Conservative Party. The
0: Liberal Party can't believe their luck. And says that, uh, <laughs> says that this is an example of cancel culture. Although I will say the Conservative caucus voted him out. So it's not quite uh, canceling as much as a, a club that was like, we don't want you in our club anymore, and voted him out.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I will say, and I'm curious what your thoughts on this are, I really don't think that Sloan necessarily knew who Paul Frum was, or even knew when he received this donation what this Frum's uh, political background is. And so I'm, I'm curious why you might think Eric would go ahead and push the conservative caucus to vote Derek Sloan out of their party, and why the caucus went ahead ahead with it.
1: You have an insurrection that happened. Yeah. And then you had a lot of people pointing fingers at the conservative party, saying that, you know, they're they're like this. They're like what's happening with the Republicans in the states. And, you know, Eric's trying to, well, I think the conservatives are pushing for the spring election. So he's trying to create this image that disassociates himself with that republican uh (laughs) alt-right group so i think that it was a way to publicize people who might be leaning in those those political camps or i guess political idea ideological camps and uh show that he's away and apart from them and another thing too is i think if someone is donating uh to Sloan's campaign who is a neo-nazi that's kind of telling of Sloan's personal politics and i can see that the conservative party probably wants to distance themselves from that image as much as possible
0: i agreed with i definitely agreed with everything you just said there but like i agree that sloan is still problematic even though he didn't he might not have known he was receiving this money from a neo-nazi because it's still indicative that hey if neo-nazis are donating to your party or donating to you specifically out of that party that probably says something about your politics you know (laughs)
1: Yeah. And yeah, that's the point. It's like it's telling of the person you are in the Conservative Party has been, you know, receiving people like on Twitter and on uh, news sources as well, trying to compare them to the Republicans in the states. And if you see what's happening in the states, it's like, of course, we don't want to have that image attached to us. So let's, you know, rid ourselves of people that might give us that image.
0: I'm not sure the other end of this works is going to work out the way that Eric wants it to though. Like I agree. They're probably doing it for the reasons that you've laid out, but there's two ways in which this is going to backfire against Eric, I believe. And that is for one, I think it's going to alienate the base. Like the rebel support is definitely going to leave the party. And granted, like I think it's still good for the conservative party to alienate its base. I actually think that's a good thing. But the other side of that is I don't think that uh, the party is going to be protected from these allegations over this move. In particular, for the obvious reason, not only did Paul Frum donate to Derek Sloan, but he he had a membership in the Conservative Party. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And he's he's been involved in the conservative movement. I think he used to work for the Reform Party at one point as well, and for uh, Harper's United Conservative Party at some point. So Paul Frum's been around and has been a part of conservative politics for a while, paid for a membership. So not only did he donate to uh, Sloan, he had a membership in the party. Yeah. So could vote on things and whatnot, right? So it's like, I don't know if you can, just by getting rid of Sloan, somehow like remove the taint from your party.
1: I don't know it can push Sloan further to the right maybe he'll be a part of the people's party
0: so Sloan actually even in the interview with Ezra says that he doesn't want people to leave the conservative party he still supports the conservative party he's just disappointed in them and he's now like sort of like figuring out what he's going to do but he seems to be taking the stand that he doesn't want to uh he doesn't want to support the people's party and he's still going to support the conservatives even though they kicked him out which is interesting. Oh, okay. But I don't know what what that'll amount to, but that is sort of the stance he's taking right now. I did want to say there was one last thing that happened in the interview, which I just thought was uh, kind of weird, (laughs) was Ezra really wanted to point out that Sloane's family is of uh, a mixed heritage. And so his wife is uh, South Asian. Sloane's response to this is that he can't be racist because I eat more curry at home than I do other types of food. So listen,
2: the idea that I'm, you know, uh, 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 you know, some kind of racist or something is just, is, is, it's preposterous.
0: Ignoring the fact of like being married to someone who's not white doesn't automatically remove you from being racist since you participate in a very racist party. And were like, you did things in the campaign that would at least signal that you're a racist such that a neo Nazi would give you money but also like that's vaguely racist <laughs> to like well, boil down uh your wife's culture just to eating a bunch of curry at home
1: uh, yeah it's it's admitting that he's racist without admitting that he's racist <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yes and of course Ezra ends the interview with what he does all the time which is there is now a We stand by David Sloan or Derek Sloan petition. We
2: uh, have set up a website, we call it standwithsloan.com. And we just launched it about five minutes ago, and I can see it has 188 signatures on it. And this is for people who either stand with you personally, stand with your ideas, stand with your projects, or simply stand against the cancel culture I, I'm going to sign this petition myself.
0: <laughs> so always a grifting moment for Ezra. <laughs> he's he's got to get your signatures. He's got to get your emails so he can, he can solicit you for money sign our petition
2: and chip in 10, 20, 50 bucks, to sign our petition, I've set up a petition.
0: Sign our petition, you go
2: to firebob.ca, Sign our petition to sign the petition. Sign our petition now and sign your name right now. We've started a petition. I've set up a petition. Sign our petition, Please sign our petition. We're launching a petition. Sign the petition. I want you to go to refugeepause.ca right now and sign our petition. I say we start a petition, And sign my petition You to sign our petition. Will you sign my petition? Sign. Sign our petition. Sign our petition. And we're asking you to sign it. You to sign that petition. It's more than 10,000 Albertans have signed our petition already. We're well on our way to our goal of 100,000. Sign our
0: petition. And sign our petition. And sign our petition. Don't sign this petition. (laughs) And now we get to... I I was going to say the highlight of the show. (laughs) But it is... It is not a highlight at all. So, on the... January 21st episode of Ezra's show, he decided to dedicate the whole thing to being a complete and utter fucking transphobe he frames the discussion as this is the end of women in sports which sounds a bit dramatic (laughs) and uh, I would argue is not true but we we can assess that as we go through it so, why is Ezra proclaiming the end of women's sports? Joe Biden passed an executive order. And what the executive order sort of lays out is that there's this thing called uh, Title IX. And the executive order gave a more broader uh, interpretation of Title IX, which included gender identity and sexual orientation. So as the executive order reads, it says no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. And as a result of this, so that was one part of the executive order, but lays out how uh, sex is is not, and sex and by extension gender are not uh, valid means of discrimination. And so as a result, many conservative pundits have written about this, including as they're doing a whole show on it. And what they see is that this is Biden now opening the doors to trans women being allowed to participate in women's sports, uh, most specifically in the educational context. So like uh, college sports or high school sports or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so what is wrong with this? <laughs> Because frankly, I don't think there's anything wrong with this at the get-go. Do you see anything wrong with this at the get-go? No. No. It's like, let let people play sports. doesn't seem like a big deal.
1: It's also like, where are these people supposed to fit in in
0: sport? Well, I think what they think is that what, at least Ezra's going to say something, is like, you can't change gender or sex. Those things are identical. And therefore, even though this man might be wearing a skirt, They have to play on the male sexed team, which is, I mean, not only is it scientifically incorrect, not only is it bigoted, but also, like, I don't know, we don't screen people's genitals before they join up the male soccer team, you know? That's
1: true. No, it's true. Like, you don't know who has a penis and who has a vagina, right? Right you are just assuming based on these like social descriptions of what is male and female that this person's
0: male. So Ezra begins with saying something that I actually think is kind of interesting. And I think if he actually understood what he was saying, would I think be an argument for our side or at least how I've thought about it, my side of this discussion. So Ezra talks about how discrimination in sports is good.
2: Think about boxing all the different weight categories. I mean, some discrimination doesn't make any sense, and it feels unfair. But some discrimination is precisely to make things fair. Muhammad Ali was 235 pounds. It just wouldn't be fair for him to box a man who weighed 135 pounds. That's not sport, right? So boxing has so many different weight divisions to make it a contest of skill, not of pure luck or genetics.
0: You don't want to have one boxer who's just fucking enormous and ripped take on somebody who's like kind of ripped, but kind of skinny, you know, and just pummel the shit out of him. <laughs> you know, we would say not only you can understand this from an entertainment perspective, maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody really wants to see someone just get the, the shit pummeled out of them. But it's also like <laughs> in terms of just entertainment of like, if you want to see a fair fight, like, pummeling the shit out of someone is not a fair fight, right? You want to see two people who at least there's a chance it could go either way, you know? Yeah. And I agree. So, yes, you want you want some kind of fairness. Of course, you don't want complete fairness because somebody is going to win the fight eventually. But you want to at least make things kind of close enough such that the difference is, like, just an extra bit of training and not, like, uh, how lucky you were in the genetic lottery such that you're fucking ripped, you know? yeah but notice that this has absolutely nothing to do with sex or gender so far, because there are women who are supremely ripped and could fucking destroy me,
1: <laughs> yeah, and if it's based on weight, then it's based on weight that has nothing to do with your your gender or sex, but I think like the argument he's trying to get at is that there there is this correlation between weight and gender or weight and sex, right, where where women tend to weigh less than men. Yes. But then there's also, like, you're going to have women who definitely weigh more than guys that are in a lower class group or weight class group in boxing. So why wouldn't you just place them in the proper weight class?
0: Well, here's, here's his argument. So he gives two arguments. The first... It's just not sporting to
2: watch men fight women. We know that instinctively, I think, over the thousands of generations since we would recoil from that and morally
0: despise a man who would hit a woman. His first argument is an intuitive argument, which is that uh, men hitting lady bad, therefore men and women should not compete together in boxing, which again seems more uh, of a cultural holdover rather than some sort of instinct. But uh, we could discuss that in a second. We know inherently it's unfair.
2: At least we always used to know that, but not anymore, because it is now illegal in America. If you say a man can't be on a women's sports team.
0: Now, he doesn't go into details in this episode, but my guess is this is the biological argument that you were uh, getting to, which is that there's something about women inherently that makes them less strong or less capable to compete equally with other men in the same uh, weight class yeah but the first argument is just obviously stupid to me (laughs) right and and i'm even surprised he goes there because it's like yeah of course there is there's a history of domestic abuse men being violent towards women in the home and in public and it is good to be against that obviously but if if a woman consents and a man consents to engage in a sporting activity much like two men can engage in a consensual sporting activity then why is it instinctively bad when these two people do it out right it's like okay you got to get over your cultural hangups ezra yeah as you said the thing about it being inherently unfair is also kind of silly because even if like you take the bell curve uh it's not a perfect bell curve but i just use this as a as a way to demonstrate which is that say you have strongest men are stronger than the strongest women and the average stronger man is more stronger than the average woman or something like this and you have these bell curves uh just offset so it that doesn't mean that you couldn't find examples of women being, uh, uh, women and men being in the same class, such that the competition would be as fair as he laid out in the weight class example. There could, there's definitely going to be examples where, yeah, a woman could compete against a man within a certain class, and it would still be a fair fight.
1: Well, I mean, we can even talk about things that are not even related to sport about gender. That's just so weird and arbitrary that. But- that becomes so cultural that we, I don't know, like we we just think that women are like unable to participate in certain things that I just I don't get at all. And it, it becomes like these arbitrary physical markers, like women being less of a weight or women being shorter. And it just doesn't make any sense. It's as arbitrary to me as just saying like, well, this person has blue eyes and this person has brown eyes especially since like the purpose of sport is to also train and get to a certain point where you're building your physique and you're going to just have people who are going to work harder than others because maybe they are just more passionate and dedicated to the sport and you're going to have people who are just not not to say that they're less passionate but they're just not going to like develop as (laughs) fast or in in the in the sport who are going to be worse off than a lot of women. And maybe at first, that might be like you know women facing men who are probably in the worser or I guess less off um ranks of boxers, right, but you also have to give women an opportunity to be able to move up like what I guess what I'm trying to say is that like if you're preventing people from having challenges and being able to go further than where they are, of course they're never going to develop and be better than where they are. And when you make this arbitrary argument that it's based off of these physical characteristics about being a certain weight or being a certain height, for instance, you don't actually see the potential of that individual and where they can go.
0: Like, let me let me ask you this: When do you think was the first uh, woman to run the Boston Marathon? When did the when do you think that happened?
1: Uh, nineteen eighties.
0: They they beat you by by. 20 years so it was 1967 or like 10 years <laughs> uh 13 years yeah, yeah so it was 1967
1: no okay i know about it so i just can't remember her exact date
0: and so she was 20 years old when she ran it her name was katherine switzer now the thing that interests me when she was trying to participate in the boston marathon everyone was freaking out well not everyone but there was a segment of the public that was freaking out and you had medical doctors and stuff being like women can't run Women are so fragile that if they were to run and expend their energies, they would, like, deplete their life energies <laughs> and, like, die or something. <laughs> right? So women can't run. It's, it's harmful to their health. This was the arguments being made in 19-fucking-67. Okay. So she decided to participate anyways, and to do so, she had to disguise herself as a man. So she's wearing baggier clothes than all the other runners. So she's handicapping, handicapping herself to participate in this race. Meanwhile, everyone else gets training and whatnot, and she had to do it all on her own. And so this was 1967, which, you know, she's still alive. These, like, <laughs> it's almost like when we think about women uh, participating in sporting activities and want to argue that somehow they're less able. And it's like, we, we create opportunities for men that don't exist for women in this sphere. And the way that we think about women have been like, so it went from being like merely running is going to kill them to now they're, well, they're just naturally inherently weaker. <laughs> you know, there's just always these societal expectations that somehow the women is inferior And then we pump a ton of funding into male sports that we don't pump into women's sports. And then women have to compete for, uh, attention and money by selling their bodies and so you get examples of like women handicapping themselves in various ways so they look appealing on the cover of sports illustrated in ways way that men don't have to do there's tons of just hideous grotesque men playing sports and that's fine <laughs> but it's like you can see the double standard here in which women have to overcome so much more to be comparable. Uh, to men in these things, and yet we still go. Therefore, men are inherently more physically strong than women. When it's like, when have we ever had the equal footing to actually make that accurate comparison?
1: Yeah, actually, there's a study that I read back in like undergrad, and it was a researcher doing the ethnography on I think it was uh school basketball, and I don't know what age this was, but it was they were quite young. And it was about coaching techniques compared to men and women at or like at young ages. Right. And for boys, they're constantly motivated. They're constantly like, you're going to do this. You're going to be able to do this. You can do this because you're a boy. Not that they're exactly saying that the coaches in this ethnography, but it's implied by the words that they say, you're able to do this. You're more than capable, but with the girls, they were never really pushed Yep. and not only were they never pushed, But there was a lot of like, you can't. And it wasn't that the coaches were saying, you can't do this. You're not capable. But there was a lot of phrases that were caught up in what they said, I can't statements. And then they were noticing that when coaches were saying those statements, that the movement of women would drastically change. Because if you have someone who's constantly being told you're unable, you're not going to perform as as good.
0: Yeah, it's stereotype threat.
1: Yeah. And then so what ends up happening is women constantly at different levels of sport are constantly being told you're not going to progress. You're not going to get further. You need to do these things that you're saying kind of handicap and take you away from your sport in order to actually make it. And then you're kind of left with this. I can't. I'm unable. I am this weak thing. And you don't actually get to see your potential develop. You don't actually see how, further, how far an amazing women can push it in sport. And I mean, honestly, I would love to just like open this, you know, these barriers between men and women in sport, but I also still don't think women would do as well. And the reason why they wouldn't do as well has nothing to actually do with them being inherently weak. But I constantly think that they're just not trained in a way and coached and mentored and even like psych- like even at a young age by the surrounding society told that they're able to get that far and if they got the same encouragement and if they got the same uh uh attention as men then i'd say it's a different story but i mean like you're talking about the boston marathon when women were allowed to run triathlons they were really behind compared to men But they've shaved off their time for triathlons at a crazy amount. And I think it was not too uh, far after the Boston Marathon thing that women were allowed into triathlons. It was the 1970s for sure, but I think late 1970s. I'm not sure. And men have actually stayed quite stagnant in their time for triathlons. So it just goes to show that women can catch up. and Women can be equal. You just got to let them have the opportunity and ability to participate. And I mean, those opportunities aren't just about accessing the sport or the division of sport. It's also about having equal encouragement and equal funding and equal resources along that
0: way. And there might be, the thing that frustrates me is there there might be some biological limit that is distributed bimodally such that men on average could uh, push that limit a little further than women can in terms of physical strength. Maybe. There could be that. But what frustrates me is, like, we've never run the, like, perfectly fair, (laughs) fair, like, sort of, like, way of assessing that data to arrive at that conclusion for assholes like Ezra to say that we know that it is inherently unfair in this circumstance for, for men to compete against women as if it's something biological. It's innate within them. I do agree with you. Like I think the reason why we have sports segregated right now is to deal with the fact that you're not going to fix this cultural problem overnight. And it is still worthwhile to create the uh create a space for women to be able to participate. Yeah. Even though like right? To to get them to to that level. And so like I, I do see why we have segregation but it's i can still dream of a day where we don't need to have sex segregated sports you can just have people play some fucking sports
1: yeah another thing though too that i i often go back to is thinking about sport and who sport is actually created for yeah so it's like other institutions in our society like what is work and education created for and this is another point of view from this but a point of view i actually like to take about it, but the if you look at sport as an institution as something that operates and has its own sets of rules and principles on its own, which it does sport is something that's created for men and by men and not for women and by women so let's say like what you're saying Jody that there is something biologically different, but we don't know because like you said tests haven't been perfect and they've been quite biased. And a lot of times caught up in this sexist rhetoric, but let's say we did find out how is it even fucking fair when sport, the institution of sport is literally created for just men to play. The rules of the sport is for men.
0: Designed by men for men. Yeah,
1: exactly. Just like how work is the same way. Just like how education is the same way. Just like how the family has been set up to be for men and created by men, specifically white men as well. Let's add that add that to to talking about this.
0: It's it's like the barrier of entry. Like like you've you've probably witnessed some of this in academia, but like I, I even remember having a discussion with someone about Well, like, there's no explicit rules saying women can't play hockey, so why don't they try out? And it's like, my guess is if they were to try out, for one, to be allowed to try out, you probably have to push through some barrier of men who are going to decide whether they even let you try out or not try out. And then have to, like, appeal to their biases that are already going to see you as inferior.
1: Yeah. But I also think, like, if it was created by women and for women... I don't think sports like hockey would really exist. I think sport would look very different. Because, like, if you think about it, sport has been caught up to, like, favor what men like, what men do, how men... How even men, like, play and fight with each other. It's not to include, like, women's experiences in
0: it. Right, but I'm sure, like... I mean, like, I don't even... Because, obviously, these things are, even in themselves, culturally defined, right? Yeah. And so it's, like... I can imagine a world in which just there's some people who are just uber competitive people and want to engage in aggressive competition. And if they find each other and create leagues and all that, that's fun. <laughs> let, them, <laughs> let them have that outlet, right? But like, yeah. part of what I'm saying is like, it's just like, as it stands right now, it's being mostly the barrier of entry to women to be able to participate In that system is hard because because we've tied these things innately to uh, sexes rather than just particular appetites that any individual could have. You know, that being said, we'll go we'll go on to Ezra's. uh... (laughs) I mean, the thing is, it's good that we sort of went through this because it's now going to hit you why a lot of what comes next that Ezra is going to say is completely fucking stupid. The first thing that we're going to go to, because I did this in order of what Ezra said on his show, is you can tell that it's not just about the participation in sports, that Ezra wants to be able to harass trans people generally. Yeah. And you might go, does Ezra really just want to harass people generally? Adults should be
2: able to earn a living and pursue a vocation knowing that they will not be fired, demoted, or mistreated because of whom they go home to, or because how they dress does not conform. To sex-based stereotypes. People should be able to access health care and secure a roof over their heads without being subjected to sex discrimination. All persons should receive equal treatment under the law, no matter their gender identity or sexual orientation. That's fairly friendly talk, but it's blurring things, isn't it? Equality before the law and people aren't allowed to laugh at you because you're dressing in a very unusual way. Guys wearing skirts to work, maybe, I mean, they're blurring things, aren't they? very serious things, like being treated equally, like not being afraid to demanding people support your particular style doesn't feel like a shield so much as a sword
0: now, does it? So notice how he went from sports to now talking about harassment generally, and he's landing on the side that harassing people at work for how they dress is morally acceptable,
1: yeah, and let's just like. We know he's talking about like trans women and we know he's trying to make a joke about the idea of a man wearing a skirt that's overplayed and stupid and completely transphobic and also just like unnecessary now. You know, 2021 people get over this shit. (laughs) But and let's just say you don't like the skirt and you want to make comments and judgments about the skirt. Why do you have to be a bully?
0: Why do you got to bully people at work? That's the thing. Laughing at people at work is, should not be allowed, period, regardless of, like, your, your bigoted position. Like, if someone's wearing a frumpy dress to work, regardless whether they identify as male or female or uh, are sexed that way in our society, doesn't mean that you have any right to laugh at them for how they're dressing. In work! Like, you might have those thoughts to yourself, and you might go home and talk to your partner about how you thought that dress was frumpy or whatever you want, but to laugh at them at work?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's fucked up. It's like he still lives in, like, the the Mad Men world.
1: I think the only time you should be criticizing it is if it's a friend buying a skirt, and you don't want them to buy that skirt. (laughs) Absolutely. time you can make fun of the skirt
0: but again that is in a context where it's not in a work environment and he explicitly framed it in a work environment
1: yeah no he's he's basically saying that like if i saw let's just say this was like adhering to like the gender normative script right right he would probably you know make fun of women at work who wear things that he didn't like so it just kind of shows that not only is he transphobic but he's also extremely sexist because it's clearly something he likes to do.
0: Which is the thing is no one's, you know, if you're someone who makes fun of how people dress on the street, no one is saying that you should be like criminalized for harassment for that. You still are an asshole (laughs) or, or okay. If it's a friendly thing as Caitlin just laid out, (laughs) but like, you know, like there's a difference between asshole and like legal harassment.
2: And then Ezra says, but now that the, same rule will be applied for transgenderism. I'm sorry, that's the end of women's sports. It's, it's
0: just over, I'm sorry. And he then describes a scenario where some lame guy couldn't beat other men, so he became a woman to compete against other women that he now crushes because he's a man. There are
2: so many kooky news stories these days emerging around the world, men beating women in cycling, men beating women in weightlifting, men beating women in sprinting. It's odd because it's so obvious what's happening in almost every case. The athlete who decides he's transgender and wants to compete as a girl had a previous career as an unsuccessful male athlete. He couldn't beat the guys on a level playing field, so he came up with a plan. He says he's a gal now, grows his hair long, maybe takes some hormones, and presto, he's competing against the girls. He's still not particularly good, by the way, uh, technically, physically. But doesn't matter. A six-foot, 200-pound man, even if he's out of shape and not particularly good, is going to beat a five-foot, 100-pound woman pretty much just by showing up.
0: And to rub it in, Ezra goes, uh, he still isn't particularly good. And he needs to say that in order to highlight that even this lame man that needs to become a woman to uh, win at sports because only to, the only way he can win at sports is to become a woman and play against other women because even the lamest, lowliest man is still way better than any woman at sports.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Even Even against fucking trained women athletes. Yeah. Like, I... His bigotry knows no ends. Like, to think that, that is so fucking stupid. If I just had decided to myself that I'm going to pretend to be a woman to compete in women's sports, I would have my ass handed to me. If this is something that occurs, Ezra never brings up any evidence that it does. There is no evidence that this is happening widespread. There are trans women in sports. They play against other women in sports. And they do as well as other women in sports. They're not like overrepresented in the uh winning class of women in women's sports. Yeah. They're just people and want to compete against other women in a in a society that has women compete with other women. Yeah. I also want to add so this is just skipping ahead a bit. In the next day's episode There was a mailbag segment where Ezra also makes the claim that men will now identify as women to be able to get inside women's prisons.
2: Bruce writes, worse than ruining women's sports is the perverts claiming to be women infiltrating women-only places like showers and changing rooms. Yeah, of course not all transgender people are like that, but many predators see that calling themselves transgender gets them in all sorts of places they couldn't get before. Right now in Canada, it's been this way for several years, if you simply declare yourself to be transgender, you can be a male convicted of a crime but serve your term in a women's prison with other women.
0: And again, on par with sports, there is no epidemic of this happening, nor is there some epidemic of this occurring in women's sports, right?
1: Another thing, too, is it's this continuous rhetoric that people only are trans to to be creepy.
0: To be creepy manipulators.
1: Yeah. it's It's never because... Of, you know, gender identity being a lot more complex than Ezra is making it out to be. That the ideas of what a woman is and what a male is, or man is, is a lot more complex than what he's been told. And he doesn't understand those complexities. It's, it's only, you only identify as trans if you're secretly trying to be, you know, a pedophile or a rapist of some sort. Like that's the only time he sees trans people as existing. And That is disgusting.
0: Yep. And I will say, so we're now going to get into, uh, I mean, if it wasn't worse already, <laughs> I think it's going to get even worse. And I will acknowledge that when I went to check out the YouTube clip that Ezra had posted, this is where the YouTube clip cuts off. So he just has all the stuff about, uh, you know, uh, laughing at a person wearing the the skirt at work and, uh, the whole like weight classes stuff that's still kept in, but all the stuff we're going to get to is left off. And I have a feeling that it's left off because he knew that what he's going to say here is going to violate the, uh, YouTube terms of service and would get his channel that is already at risk for all the other shit that he's done. booted off the site? And so we'll go through it, and uh, you be the judge. So Ezra discusses a case where a trans woman, who, uh, this trans woman attacked someone, and this person they attacked was a woman who was harassing them for being trans.
2: Where are the feminists here, by the way, as women are being eradicated from the public square? Sometimes feminists speak out. They protest. In the United Kingdom, one woman protested against transgenderism, and she was attacked by one of the men she was protesting. So police laid criminal charges against them, and here's the extra crazy part. At the criminal trial, the woman who was assaulted was told by the judge that she had to call her violent attacker a woman, a she, a her, to use pronouns. It was a biological male who claimed to be trans, who had physically attacked her, according to the allegations, injured her. And the neutral judge, told her that in the trial she had to call her attacker a woman
0: yeah it's madness now how dare the court uh (laughs) how dare the court make her follow laws against discrimination against trans people in the court of law is like what ezra is saying here because here's the thing is trans people can still do bad things the point being of course the court is still going to maintain that trans women are women and should be referred to their their preferred gender within a court. Because we realize that trans women are women and you shouldn't discriminate them in a court of law. What we're hitting is at every level, Ezra does not think that trans people should be given any respect or dignity at all. And he pretty much embraces their discrimination and the ability to harass them. And he thinks that this harassment is a moral right, even in a court of law. Ezra then says,
2: Don't be fooled by that doddering old man you see on camera. He's not the center of this administration. He's not the spirit of this administration, that kindly old fool. I think this guy is. Uh, Biden announces Rachel Levine as pick for Assistant Secretary at Health and Human Services. Would be first transgender, Senate confirmed federal official.
0: Rachel Levine is Biden's pick for Assistant Health Secretary because she was involved in uh, Pennsylvania's government in dealing with their response to COVID. And I guess Biden liked what they were doing there and now has gotten Rachel Levine to work on issues uh, of the pandemic within his administration. What Ezra's trying to say is none of this uh, pro-trans stuff can be coming from uh, a white old dude who cares about trans people, it has to be that there is some nefarious plot by some inside infiltrating trans activist who is manipulating Biden in subcapacity. Because again, as we just pointed out, Ezra thinks that all trans people are somehow secret manipulators. Ezra then goes on to mock her appearance, misgender her, and complain that he could not find her dead name by Googling it, something which he feels entitled to.
2: As Austin Powers would say, that's a man, man. Except you can't say that or you're breaking the law. You can't find out what Rachel Levine was named at birth when he was a baby boy. Try Googling it. Just try. Google purges any reference to it. You can't. You can't even say on Twitter that he's a he. You'll be suspended for misgendering him.
0: Ezra then accuses her of sending sick elderly people into Pennsylvania nursing homes, thus linking Rachel Levine to the death of many elderly people in that state.
2: By the way, my criticisms of Levine aren't that he's transgender, it's that he was an absolutely horrific disaster as the head of Pennsylvania's pandemic response. He did a Cuomo shipping sick elderly people into long-term care homes to infect and kill hundreds. Imagine putting someone with so much blood on their hands in charge of national public
0: health just to get some
2: transgender virtue signaling talking points. Yeah.
0: This is not true, since there was no such order to send sick people into nursing homes. This is based on a story where Rachel pulled her grandmother from a long-term care home at her grandmother's wishes, and they had the ability to take care of her, so they accepted their grandmother's wishes and brought her home. Now, this like was seen as kind of like iffy, given her role as uh, someone within the the Pennsylvania government who was working on uh, these issues and and the COVID response. But there's no evidence that Rachel Levine somehow told people to go into nursing homes when they had COVID in other in order to like wipe out these uh, long-term care homes by spreading COVID within them. And Ezra says, imagine putting someone in charge who has this much blood on their hands just to score some trans virtue points. And I want to say, let us remind our listeners that every week, Ezra downplays the severity of this virus, encourages people to break COVID restriction laws, supports their breaking of these laws with offering legal support to fight those fines, back in November was still claiming that the pandemic was officially over, and yet... The moment when a transgender person is in a position of power in terms of public health, the blood is on their hands. Fuck Ezra.
1: Like, what can you say to that? That's just it's and it's just not good either. Not good at all. Like it's it's it it should speak for itself, but the problem is it doesn't speak for itself. And I don't know how to fix that issue. Like I don't know how to like get to people to say like you shouldn't believe that you just shouldn't it's it's like what do you do right because there are people who are going to listen to that and be like oh my god this is some liberal goddamn plot right like they're they're going to genuinely believe this person has some nefarious plot to infiltrate uh you know the biden administration and you know make this this uh, executive order happen and there's secretly this person who is killing
0: people and the people who think this they could have trans children and i wonder how how they treat their kids and what that trans uh, kid might be going through having to deal with parents that don't think that they're real people yeah that don't give them the dignity and respect that de- that they deserve like all of us deserve
1: well i think also on top of it is it just paints it paints them like as if they're just inherently evil people. Like there's something sick and twisted about you wanting to be trans. Like the only reason you can be trans is if you want to do evil deeds. It's just like not good. And it's like people, people believe that and that's crazy. And like you get people who, you know, use trans people as the butt of the joke and you get people that like are You know, they're accepting of it, but they like to tease and make fun of trans people. And that's another part of transphobia. But this is just like a whole like 10 more layers to transphobia that like people are going to believe. But what do you do about that? They just they don't even have evidence for a lot of these things and they just believe it. And you have to go along with it, whether you like it or not, in their minds. Not saying you do.
0: Yeah. I mean, the one thing that we can do, which is what we do on the show, which is support our trans comrades. So now we're we're uh we're done. <laughs> we're done that horrible mess. And on to some positivity including the fact that another trans bigoted piece of shit is no longer president. Isn't that fantastic? Uh,
1: <laughs> it is. It it is a good step in the right direction, but then it's also like, man.
0: <laughs> the funny thing is meh. you were <laughs> you were the one who said this was a good thing.
1: No, I said you to say that the cheeto is gone <laughs> but for us to be aware that a biden administration doesn't mean that we don't have work to do that's true this is supposed to be a proactive segment like proactively get your ass out there and still keep it going that's what i'm trying to say
0: and that includes in our own area we need paid sick days uh during this pandemic and our own local uh mpp peggy sattler released uh you know a bill to uh give people more paid sick days and it's it's really depressing right now because the liberals are trying to co-opt it and say that it was like it's their idea (laughs) which uh is gross as hell and considering that they only have a few seats in our uh legislature our provincial legislature but we do uh you know the liberals are going to do what the liberals are going to do but the ndp they're pushing for more paid sick days and so i would say uh Push any conservative MPs that you might have to sign on to this bill. I think we need paid sick days right now more than ever, given the uh, global pandemic. If you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperial news with a Z. We have a private Facebook group called imperial news. We also have a discord set up and we will be doing Twitch streams every Friday and Wednesday at 8 p.m. You can find all the links to our social media stuff in the show notes. Lastly, you can email us any question you want. Any question you want at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatum.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And I can't stress this enough, but Ezra truly is... A disgusting, horrible, terrible piece of shit.
2: Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields?